Well, hey, everybody. Um, good to see you tonight. And um, thank you for coming to worship um, with us this evening. Uh, I hope everyone is uh, doing well. And uh, again, I'm going to have to talk to two places uh, tonight. Uh, we're trying to serve um, the people who are here. And then we're also trying to um, serve those who couldn't be with us um, tonight who are going to either be uh, streaming or um, looking at a video later. So um, if you see me like looking at you, I might not be looking at you. I might actually be looking um, to the people there. So um, guys, it's, it's, been a, it's been an interesting week and um, things have been changing by the day and by the minute. And um, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're doing well in your soul. I, I think about the uh, Psalm, uh, not the Psalm, but the uh, hymn where he actually proclaimed in the midst of trial and tragedy, it is, it is well with my soul, right? It is well with my soul um, because of King Jesus and the rock that we actually serve. We actually serve the rock, uh, the eternal one who doesn't move, change, spoil or fade, no matter what circumstances are going on around us. And so today, what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to um, get into a place of going to God's perspective. Um, God's perspective, because if, if you're like me, uh, you have a whole lot of dings going on your phone all the time, and it's not just people uh, contacting you, um, letting you know how much they love you, but it's also the news reports, right? Anybody have a ding every few seconds uh, about an update, uh, whether it be something that's existing in the stock market or, you know, um, that the uh, health organization is letting out, we're all getting dings, and so... Let's get uh, on the rock of Christ and uh, we'll be leaving courage today. So God, we thank you so much for your word to us today. God, we thank you that uh, in the midst of uh, the outbreak, not just in the city of Chicago or the U.S., but worldwide, uh, God, you are on your throne. And God, we thank you that um, you're compassionate, you're just, and you're good. And um, God, you are the God of all comfort. And God, we're asking that you would really... Uh, stretch out both your hand and uh, be present with people in times of trouble. God, we're asking for those who've already uh, been sick or really suffered through uh, the loss of loved ones. God, we're praying that you would comfort them and turn them to you. God, we're asking that you would be the lifter of their heads. And God, we pray that you would give not only us in here, but also uh, those throughout the world as your gospel goes forward in eternal hope. God, we're asking that your word and your name would grow in power during this time and that many would be uh, saved not only temporally from their physical ailments but also eternally in their souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so today what we're going to do is um, we're going to talk about um, the Lenten series that we were trying to start as we uh, went into the season of Lent. And it was actually going to be a title before all of this broke out. We plan our messages in advance. We pray about them in advance. God knows. And the series was actually going to be Famous Last Words. Now, this is um, not talking about anybody's words um, before they go to meet Jesus, but it's about Jesus' last words when at, before he went to the cross. Um, Jesus made sure to talk about um, specific things that sort of summarized his three and a half years of ministry on the earth. And as he was leaving people, he was saying, these are the things, parables, that I want you to consider. 
and things that I want you to think about as I'm going to go to the cross, die for your sins, and be resurrected from the dead to ascend back into heaven and really be with the Heavenly Father. And so today, as we're um, talking about um, Jesus' last words, we think about the times that he lived in, and really people came to him for explanation about the times that he lived in. And people were wondering, you know, should I be concerned about all that I see around me? Should I be concerned? Is this the end of the age? Is this the end of the days? And, you know, Jesus made it very plain that, listen, you're not going to know the day or the hour, right? You're not going to know the day and the hour. And usually when people are most upset about things, it's the time that God's peace can come on you because everybody's predicting the end. And so when everybody's predicting the end, that's when you can be a little bit comforted <laughs> in knowing this is probably not the end because Jesus said you wouldn't know it and you wouldn't be able to predict it. And so um, in some of the parables that Jesus was giving, he was giving um, parables about how we should nonetheless be prepared for uh, his coming and prepared for times that would come that are both trials and tribulation filled. So tonight, when we're talking about uh, his words, we're going to talk about it in three parts tonight. We're going to talk about what we don't know. We're going to talk about what we do know. And then finally, we're going to talk about our response in faith. What we don't know, what we do know, and then finally, our response in faith. Because everybody's feeling all put off right now because of what we don't know. How many of you uh, actually right now are having to walk, work remotely? Okay, you're working remotely, and how many of you uh, don't know how long it's going to be that you have to work remotely, right? It's a bit unsettling, right? It's a bit unsettling, but what do we um, want to do is open to the scripture tonight in Matthew chapter 25. Matthew ch chapter 25, the kingdom of heaven. And he says this, that then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. So whenever we're looking at this and Jesus is giving some of his famous last words, 
what we know is he's ultimately talking about his return. That's what we look forward to regardless of the circumstances that are going on, correct? It is the good news of the gospel that one day all will be made right for the believer in Jesus because he's coming to restore all things. When Jesus comes, he said there will be no, no more crying, no more sickness, no more pain because the old order of things will have passed away. And he said, behold, I'm making all things new. But we have to ask the question, in the meantime, what is it that we don't know in between the time of his promise, his ultimate return, his coming, and the times in which we live? And what we don't know is we don't know in, in that in-between time, we don't know how long trials will last or from what, or what form they will take. That's the truth of the matter in the midst of this uh, present situation, in the midst of this present trial. As everybody's got trying to get a handle on things, one of the things that we do know is that people don't know much, right? It's sort of like people are trying their best to try to find cures. People are trying their best to try to produce vaccines. People are trying their best to determine how this is going to impact our lives economically, socially, and otherwise. But what we don't know is, number one, how long the trial will last, and number two, how, what type of form it will take. But what we've tried to do is send out, in the midst of it, a prayer guide for you, because this is a perfect time for us to dive into prayer, is it not? It is a perfect time for us to press into God and say, God, you are the rock, you are the one in charge, you're sovereign over everything, and regardless of my times changing, you remain the same. And you're the one who's in control of everything that we see, both present and in the future. Anything that's to come, you're in charge. And so what we tried to do is send out for you a prayer guide that will help you develop your prayer life in the midst of it based on the promises that God has given us. Not about the things that we don't know, but about the things that we do know. There was an unknown author who actually said this, worry is a conversation that you have with yourself about things that you cannot change. Prayer, on the other hand, is a conversation you have with God about things that he can change. And if you have a choice between the two, I don't want you to be the type of person who's constantly worrying about the things that you have no control of over. The older I get, the more I understand how little I'm in control of. When you're younger, you think that, listen, I'm taking life by the horns, I'm going to take it, the bull by the horns, and I'm going to steer my future, my direction, and everything that's coming about, right? I have my 20, 30-year plan, and it's all going to work precisely like mom and I talked about it. Anybody have those thoughts with mom at the table, right? It's sort of like, this is what life is going to look like for you. And then you get five, four, like five, six years into it, and it looks completely different. But the good news is, is that when you plan with God, you pray about things that he can change and ultimately that he's in charge of. When we're disgruntled, a lot of times in the midst of disruptions in our lives, it's because, especially in the West, we're not used to our lives being interrupted, right? If anybody's dealing with things right now and like dealing with not like approaching the weeks that you have to work remotely, or even how about this, the weeks that you have off from work or school right now, it might be because we're not used to having our lives interrupted, right? We like the sense of control. But the thing about it is that God gives us moments just like these, just like the widows with the oil and the lamps, to have moments of pause to have moments of pause, and he mercifully is trying to grab our attention that our oil lamps might not be dry, but in fact might be full. It's only moments of pause like these that God can grab our attention in a positive way. Is that not true? 
It's like if you're like me, I, I just keep going. I just keep going. As soon as I wake up in the morning, I would like to say I turn over to Leviticus and begin reading, you know, the third chapter. But what I most often reach for is what? The phone, right? And the dings, right? And I, I don't even have alarms. I immediately get up and hit the ground running with all the streaming that's um, going on. But it's God giving us moments of pause just like this to make sure that just like the virgins, our lamps aren't dry, but they're full. And when we consider that, we can consider not what we don't know, but what we do know. And what we do know is that God commands us to be prepared. What we do know is that God commands us to be prepared. Like the ten wise virgins, we must be prepared with supplies, right? Naturally, medically, and spiritually. I don't know if anybody's been to a local Target recently, but has anybody spent three hours at a Target recently? Okay, trying to get just, just basic supplies. We also, we also know that we need to prepare financially. Many of you are working through the financial markets, right? Helping people to navigate during this time. But we also, most importantly, need to be prepared spiritually. We need to be prepared spiritually for what's coming. And in times like these where there's a shock to the system, oftentimes people feel not that they don't have the right faith response. The right faith response. Now, we're not talking about wisdom. We know that the Bible says that wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom, right? Though it costs all you have, get understanding. So when we're talking about what to do, we agree with obeying the authorities, right? If this is the last time that we get together for a while because they shut everything down, here's the truth. We're going to obey. We're not going to be like, Rage, get some sheen. You know, we're going to go worship. No, it's like we're going to use wisdom. We're going to use wisdom, but at the same time, we need faith for how we're responding to the situation. We don't need to be responding in fear. And what God's talking to us about being prepared, it's not just the things materially or financially, it's also being prepared in your soul for whatever may come. And here's the thing, for those who are listening on podcast or in um, a streaming segment, we know that for some people, for instance, I have even in my own home, medically sensitive challenges. And so if they are in a place where they are having to be separated from people for a while, the question is, does that mean that their soul is going to wither? The answer is no. God's got a mechanism. Thank God for technology. Thank God for his everlasting word by which we can remain connected to him and connected to one another in the midst of whatever trials might come. There was another author who actually said recently on the heels of this that socially distant doesn't mean spiritually secluded. Socially distant doesn't mean spiritually secluded, right? Everybody, I know you didn't, all of you didn't grow up in the 80s like I did, but there was a famous group called Kid and Play. Anybody remember Kid and Play? Hola, hola, eh? Okay, it's sort of like, yeah, it's sort of like, listen, everybody's talking about doing the tap right now in terms of their greetings rather than great uh, shaking hands. That's Kid and Play. Don't get it twisted, that's Kid and Play. But the thing about it is, is that people are socially um, constrained, but it doesn't mean that you have to be disconnected from God or one another in the midst of these trials. Part of having your oil lamps filled is knowing that you have the same needs, both in good times as well as in difficult times. 
although we choose to many times respond differently, we need to make sure to keep our oil lamps filled regardless of what's going on circumstantially so that when these times come, we have the oil that we can respond properly in faith and not in fear. Our podcasts and obviously um, other connections even in the community groups. Some people might actually have community groups that are still meeting. Some people might have community groups that are going online. The point is press into God. Press into God and don't let the circumstances isolate you because we all know that in the midst of even the physical challenges that we're experiencing, the enemy would try to beat up on people in isolation. Is that not true? And so we've got to find ways to press into God and press into one another in the midst of these trials. What we do know is God tells us to be prepared in that way. The wise virgins, they were those who saw that there was a promise of him coming. And so what they did is they made sure to prepare with the oil in their lamps. You know, whenever Jesus is giving his parables, he's giving a similitude, which means that this is what life is like. This is what life is like. And I'm telling you that what you do know about me is ultimately I'm coming. What I've also told you is that there will be trials of many types that come. But in the midst of those trials, you need to keep your lamp full. You need to keep your lamp full. So what are we to do in those times? If you're wise, he says, he says, make sure whether good times or bad, you're doing what you need to, to set apart time. And some of you are going to have more time than you've been able to experience for many of the past months and years of your life. But use this as a time to dig deep, to dig deep, not just in Netflix, hear me, not just in Netflix, because that is not the refreshment for your soul that you need, but go deep in the word of God, go deep in prayer and keep in fellowship. Even if it's not face to face, you can do it through FaceTime, right? Everybody has like a, some sort of device that they cannot connect with. Stay in community with people. Because we know that Jesus says to be wise and to be prepared. Our response ultimately will be in faith if we live in a way in which we know that we need to be prepared. We know that God commands us to respond in faith, living in the expectation of meeting him and being used by him in the world in which we live. Now, the beautiful thing about this uh, parable with the ten virgins was that he said, you know I'm coming, right? You know I'm coming. This isn't about the coronavirus. This is about Jesus, okay? This is about Jesus ultimately making his return. And that's the good news we look forward to as Christians in season and out of season, no matter what's going on around us. And he says, I want you to be prepared for this. Now, the thing about it, though, is that there will ultimately always be some people who are not prepared. There will always be people who are not prepared, right? There were five wise virgins and there were five foolish ones, he said. And so in the world in which we live, we know that there are going to be people who are unprepared for his coming. But what is he instructing us to do in the midst of this particular parable? He's saying that you need to respond in faith, being prepared not only for yourself and your household, as if you're only hunkering down for your own family and your own community, but you're actually thinking about those who you might be able to serve during this time as well. How many people know that when times get bad, just like C.S. Lewis said, it is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. When things are going bad, it is literally, he said, he speaks to us in our pleasures. He whispers to us, right, when times are good. But he shouts, he shouts to us in our pain. 
And in the midst of people freezing up because of the present circumstances, he's saying, what type of people ought we to be? We ought to be people of faith, being used by him in the world in which we live. We are not to live in fear, but in faith. The understanding of our future destination must shape how we live today. Now, we all know that this isn't uh, the first outbreak that's happened. Uh, many years ago, there were SARS. Many before that, you know, swine, all types of um, things have broken out throughout the years, right? But there was actually a man named Charles Spurgeon. How many people are familiar with Charles Spurgeon, okay? Charles Spurgeon actually spoke. He was actually one of the first megachurch pastors in uh, London, but he was actually preaching during the time of the cholera outbreak. And one of the things that he understood was how to be prepared to help people without their oil in the time of the outbreak. And he actually said this. He said, if there ever be a time when the mind is sensitive, it is when death is abroad. I recollect when first I came to London, how anxiously people listened to the gospel during this cholera outbreak, for the cholera was raging terribly. There was little scoffing then, meaning that prior to the actual cholera outbreak, people would resist him all the time. The great preacher, Charles Spurgeon. But you know what once some of my military friends said to me? He said, you know what, there are no atheists in the foxhole. There are no atheists in the foxhole. It doesn't matter what you think before going into war. When you're in war and those bullets are flying, everybody finds some faith. And in the same way, what we're seeing is that God will utilize moments just like this to shake people's confidence in the idols that they were otherwise building their lives upon. Because it doesn't matter how much money I have in the bank or uh, obviously because of the stock market crash, but had in the bank, right? <laughs> so it doesn't matter how much, you know, I mean, potential worldly success we have. If you don't have your health, you don't have anything. Everybody realize that? That's why Jesus said, listen, what does it profit you to ultimately gain the whole world but lose your own soul? When he was talking about considering the importance of him and responding to him and actually being like the wise virgins who are ready with their oil for his ultimate return, he said, listen, you can build and build and build for temporal worldly success, but a moment of a lack of health will take all of your considerations and reshift them, will they not? It's like you have people who have built mountains. You have see people who have built towers for themselves, but it all comes crashing down in a moment. Well, maybe it hasn't come to our doorstep, thankfully, but you know that worldwide it is coming to people's doorsteps. And people are at least living with the knowledge that it's a reality, a potential reality for them. A potential reality for them, right? Here in Chicago, does everybody know where some of the last... Uh, uh, tests took place or um, positive tests took place? Does anybody know? Right downtown in the Prudential uh, building. Does anybody know that? You know where that is? That's right on top of the Pedway. This, if you're not a Chicagoan, the Pedway is the underground area where everybody walks back and forth for lunch and goes back and forth to you know eat and then go back to work in their skyscraper buildings, right? Here's the thing about it. You and I are going to end this message believing God for the good things that he has towards his children. 
but you are surrounded by people who don't yet know the Lord. And these are wake-up calls to them to realize, listen, I don't have the oil that I need to meet the one who's coming for me, the one who's ultimately my maker. Now, the parable says that they went to those with the oil, right, and said, hey, can you share with us? And I always thought it was a bit comical that they said, hey, listen, sorry, bro. <laughs> I don't have enough for both me and you. You don't need to go to the, like, you know, to the dealers to get the oil, and then hopefully you'll come back before he arrives. Now, what did the parable say? It said that they went to the dealers and tried to get some, but by the time they got back, he'd already arrived. Here's the thing, though. The point is not that they missed it. The point is that there were some dealers. And you know what? For any of you who've ever wanted to live you know, in an exciting life, you get to be a dealer now. <laughs> a dealer in godliness and truth. You are the dealer of the oil. What is a dealer except that who provides that which can actually fill the lamp so the torches can be lit? When you have Jesus, when you have the knowledge of the gospel, ultimately people are looking for hope. Ephesians 2 talks about those who live without hope and without God in the world. It's a terrible place to live. I lived there before for the first part, of, let's say for the first half of my life. And it was a horrible place to live, not knowing where, what was going to happen the next day, what, not knowing what calamity may or may not come upon me the next day. But in Jesus, I was set free. Because you know what? I knew what I was able to embrace, what I didn't know. I was able to stand on what I did know. And then ultimately, I became a dealer of oil for those who needed it so that they would be prepared to meet him as well. Now, for anybody who ever watches this and they're not right with Jesus, the parable does um, actually speak of the fear of the Lord for you. You better get right now because you don't know when you're going to meet the dealer. You don't know when ultimately he's going to make his return to the bridegroom and the doors are going to be shut. That means both in his return and then ultimately the demand that he makes on each of our lives individually. So we need to take the moments now. But what are we as the people of God to do in the meantime? We're to be dealers of his truth and hope. We're not to be dealers who accentuate the fear we're to be dealers of his truth and hope. Jesus reminds us that the hope that he has is both for the present and eternal life. If you don't know Jesus, now is your time to come to repentance and faith in him. His sinless life was lived for us. This is the gospel. His sacrificial death on the cross was made so that death could not hold us. His resurrection from the dead means that we have the promise of everlasting life no matter what circumstances we may temporarily face. We need to pray for people and share the good news in light of the truth. So what are we to do? What are we to do in terms of our response and faith? You're to build on the Word of God. You're to build on the Word of God. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. You need to build your life on the Word of God. And if you have a phone, please take it out. We're going to read this together. We're going to read one of these promises that you can stand on and you can pray for as you're hoping to navigate all that's happening in the present time. And it's Psalm 91. How many people love Psalm 91? I remember some of my favorite, uh, some of my favorite mentors, preachers from um, back in the day, they were in the midst of a horrible earthquake. <laughs> 
in the midst of a mission trip and they were talking about like literally building shaking <laughs> building shaking while they were on this mission trip and uh, things were coming down around them and one of the things that they did is that you know in the moment of panic they didn't quite remember all the scripture that Psalm 91 talked about but they started going around the room grabbing anything that was stable and shouting Psalm 91! Psalm 91! In Jesus' name, Psalm 91! So, here's the thing. That's a good start. (laughs) But we're going to go a little bit deeper in understanding the promises that God's made to his people. He says, Psalm 91, verse 1, he says, He, or she, who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, and that's a big point, right? When he calls to me, big difference between just thinking about him and calling on him, right? But it's when he calls to me, I will be with him in trouble. He didn't say in the absence of trouble. He said in trouble. See that? God never promises us the absence of trouble. He says, I'll be with you in the midst of trouble. He says, I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now, if that doesn't sound like a promise to you, I don't know what is. And whenever I think about all that's going on in the world, here's the truth of the matter. We are not like the rest of the world, people of God. Though we go and walk through the things that the world does, we have a heavenly father who quite frankly treats his children differently. If you look throughout Egypt, um, throughout Israel's history in Egypt, even when the plagues came on the land, there was a particular land called Goshen. And in the land of Goshen, though the plague surrounded the Israelites, the people of God, nothing fell upon the Israelites. 
And as long as they painted that blood over the doorways, that precious blood that was sacrificed for their sins, we see that the destroying angel didn't come near their home. Now let me tell you something. It does not mean that I've never experienced sickness. Lord knows I have. It doesn't mean you won't experience something. But it does mean that ultimately, whether now or in the life to come, we have a deliverer. We have a deliverer, and because you have that hope, you've become a dealer. And those who are dry in their souls and being tormented by the lack of peace and the unsettledness of our present circumstances, now's their time to get filled up. But the only way that you're going to be a dealer is by building on what you know, knowing that you need to first be filled because we can't ever give what we don't have ourselves first. Jesus said, freely you've received from me, now freely give. So let's come to God, receive from him, be filled up, and then we'll actually have something to give in the midst of the world that so desperately needs it now. He's shaking things up, but for his honor and his glory. In Jesus' name, amen? All right, so let's have the worship team come on back up. And what we're going to do is we're going to honor God in the midst of all that we're pressing through. But not only are we going to honor him, but then we're going to take communion and remember what we're building our hope on, what we're filling our lamps with, the oil of eternal life.